Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and would love to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International Podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. So as a reminder, we do this by using a combination of exploring biblical principles and then taking concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course and then having tons and tons and tons of discussions surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these areas. So shocker, I'm super excited today because we're not just going to sit down with one of our co-founders, but both of them. Woo! <laughs> and the crowd went wild. Ah! <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so of course, joining us, we have Sandy Orchard. Hello. As per usual, she's our co-founder and vice president of No Boundaries International. And then we also have our other co-founder and president of No Boundaries International, Dr. Lori Basie. Well, how do you do? So as a reminder, Dr. Lori is a licensed occupational therapist who specializes in complex trauma and the brain. So the two of them have been all over the world Mm -hmm. sharing their expertise with traumatized populations or just even individual people, like anything from human trafficking, trafficking to anxiety, to depression, to wars, natural disasters, or people who are really just stuck in unhealthy thought processes. So basically, the world has been their arena. (laughs) And that will lead us right into today's topic, where we want to unpack and really just have a discussion about the implications of Jesus's command in Mark 16, 15, where he says to go into all the world. So I'm very excited because at No Boundaries, we have four core values, which are love, pray, community, and go. Mm -hmm. And so today, what we really want to hone in on and put our focus on is that very last one of go. Big G, big O, (laughs) let's go. And so we kind of realized that, uh, you know, not everyone maybe takes um, that command to go super seriously, and they don't really prioritize it in their lives. And so a small little disclaimer here is that we know that some people can't go like that, like that due to various life circumstances that not everyone will go internationally or not everyone will get to travel, I think probably to the extent that you two have. Mm -hmm. And that's just true. But that doesn't mean that we don't just not go. And he could send you into various places, whether that be across the street to your neighbor or down to the supermarket. There's always a go in your life because he said it. And if he said it, then sounds like we have to do it. So, Sandy, talk to us about where's the last place that we just went? We went to East Africa to the country of Uganda. And it was amazing. It was such a great trip. Yeah, it was so much fun. And so we're today going to unpack just like one of the stories and one of the testimonies from that trip. But if you want to know a lot more details of that trip, you can visit our YouTube channel or check out the show notes under Mm -hmm. this podcast. And we'll share a link to our vlog documentary. It's about an hour and 10 minutes. Uh And you'll actually get to see all of the things that we did. And it's not boring at all. It's like, it's, it's fun, it's humorous. And then there's some little 
challenges in it and then some serious stuff in it. So it's a really good mix. It's uh, it's very entertaining to watch in a way. That's why, I mean, we laugh, we cry, we <laughs> laugh again, but it really is just reality. So the whole point of that documentary and of a vlog is to really show that everyday people who are followers of Jesus can impact the world mm-hmm. and that he's still using people and that God is still speaking and showing things to us for the sake of the world. So let's talk about you guys, how we even got to That's Uganda. A crazy story. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lori should tell that story. Always a crazy story. So at No Boundaries, as you know, we do restoration and training and outreach. And so it doesn't matter if we're in Oklahoma or if we're in Texas or South Carolina or if we're in Africa or no matter where we are, we really just do those things. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing a global mental health crisis in our in our society and uh, actually in the globe today. And so we're going in response to that. And so it was several months ago that actually all three of us and more were in West Africa in Sierra Leone. Completely on the other side of the continent. Yes. Uh-huh. And we've been working there for years. Since How many years? 2005. Whoa. That's even yeah. before No Boundaries. Yeah. About. I think Molly was born well after that, but. Barely. <laughs> Actually, it was well before that. So we were in West Africa in Sierra Leone, and we were doing brain boot camps. And we're seeing incredible things happen. That as people learn about sin and trauma that's created brain damage in the way that their brain wires and fires together, that we're seeing actually the church be set free. And if the church is set free, then I think we're going to ignite a revival. And then an ignited church who's been set free has to do something outside of themselves, which leads us to that two-letter word that we've been talking about, that's go. And so really, as we're set free, then we have to go somewhere. You can't steer a parked car, and we go until we hear no. So we were on the bus in Sierra Leone, West Africa. What was the time frame on that again? What time of year? What month was that? Do you guys know? Was it February or March? I think it was We were there over Easter. Yeah, it was March. It was definitely March because Easter was April. Yeah, so March, April. Uh We were in West Africa. I'd heard about East Africa and had really, quite frankly, thought, our assignment's West Africa. There's no reason why we would ever go to East Africa. And so here we were riding in the bus, and then one of our team members gets the the message on Facebook about somebody who has seen what we're doing in West Africa because Molly is doing live Facebook posts and updating the Facebook world about what we're up to, which is really exciting. And somebody in East Africa sees it, and then sends us a message. And so Tabitha, part of our team, then reads the message. And this person's name was Andrew, Pastor Andrew. And he's inviting us to come to East Africa to do exactly what we were doing in West Africa, which is restoration, training, and outreach. And I thought, yeah, initially I thought, whatever. We have no desire to go to East Africa. We're in West Africa. It's really pretty clear what we're doing until there was that little small voice in my head that said, pay attention, this is me. Which is huge because, like, I'm just mean, we get lots of comments mm-hmm. on Facebook. Like, yes. Not even just we at No Boundaries. I mean, we individually. Yes. Like, people comment on stuff all the time, and that really is just trying to scam you out of something. <laughs> yes. And you don't even know it's a scam. Even just today, I got a text on my phone saying, your uh, bank account has been... Like someone tried to make a transaction with your bank account, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I, I mean, I called my bank and she was like, honey, 
you don't even have that much in your account. Like you're not in, <laughs> so it wasn't you're yours. not in any danger. Yeah. That is a scam. <laughs> yeah. But things like that, I mean, especially in this day and age, yeah. like scammers have gone to the internet or into whatever modality to get us to give us some kind of information. So we go into it and mean just a little bit skeptical. That's kind of sad uh-huh. that we're at that point, isn't it? It is sad, but it's true. <laughs> but we're busy, too. We're in front of hundreds and thousands and with the, the media and with the things, millions of people a year. And so we're really pretty intentional and busy. And so for somebody to contact us in April and then for us to end up Pay over there in, yeah, in, in June, yeah. April, May, June, two months later, where... Wow. Yeah. To go halfway around the world. Actually, it's over 8,000 miles, a third of the way around the world. There you go. To meet somebody that we've never met who could be a scammer or who... Well, gratefully, though, he didn't say, send me your bank account, yeah. login yeah. information, you know, anything crazy. We so. could have let Molly do that, and she wouldn't have had that many that much funds in there anyway. So, <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it, LOL. <laughs> But, and we were just minding our own business. Do you know what I mean? So like we're in West Africa. Yeah. Where we know that we're supposed to be telling people about what we're doing via Facebook. And for someone in East Africa to see our post that, you know. And then follow it. And then follow it. And we don't boost our posts. So it's not like. It just had to happen organically, mm-hmm. but it couldn't be that organic. It had to be divinely orchestrated yeah. because the odds of someone yeah, that we have no contact with and even with our six degrees of separation or whatever, <laughs> us the odds of us knowing Andy are like zero mm-hmm. yeah. or him seeing any of our stuff because how how would he? He doesn't follow any of our people. Like it had to be God. And we have zero work in that that part of the world. Yeah. Until. Until suddenly. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this is how things that know boundaries happen. It's like we're just out here living our everyday life with what God's put in front of us and just running with it. And suddenly it's like this big roadblock or like tree falls down in the middle. And he's like, actually, like, pay attention to this. I'm trying to do something. Mm -hmm. And the amount of trust that it takes to listen to Holy Spirit and go to another place Two months later, where we've never met the guy in person. Mm-hmm. Pretty risky, pretty risky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for us, I'm thankful that we're just kind of like a, it's the go until you hear no, uh-huh. that we've been taught, like God said go, so you just go until you hear no. But I think it hit me probably whenever we're driving in Uganda and the resort, to get to the resort is on like this back bumpy road uh-huh. and there's like nothing out there. Yep. And I'm looking around and I'm like, huh, there's four women from the U.S. Uh-huh. who've gotten into this literal van with two strangers. <laughs> that we've never met from a different country. we've never met from a different country. On the back roads. And we're just trusting that we really are going to the resort. Going to a resort. And mm-hmm. that's when it hit me. It didn't, you could see the headlines right? if things went south. I could. And so it's a good thing that we trust Jesus and that we know and follow And it was really a resort. It was really now, a resort. Now, I don't know well, if I'd really uh, classify it as a resort. That's yeah, a that's, pretty strong yeah, word. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. But it did have a flushing toilet. It did have a flushing toilet. That you toilet. could sit on. <laughs> it did have hot water. So that classifies, in our case, in our international travels yeah, Africa, as a resort. Africa has all the different scale about Yes. What the word resort might mean. Okay, so African resort. We can agree on that. That's a good good terminology. Okay. And that was real. And they had breakfast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were fed. 
and lots of every two hours. (laughs) So all that to say is that even us getting the invitation to go was miraculous. Like we should have known from that moment that it was a divine setup. Now I think us really getting to discover the intricacies of that divine setup didn't happen until we're actually there. Mm -hmm. But really even just looking at it from the very beginning, it had to be God. Mm -hmm. And that this is a normal way that Christians are called to live. Mm -hmm. Like we we're sitting here kind of like, whoa, I can't believe this happened. But if you read scripturally, or just what the disciples did in the places that they went, everything all the time was kind of like, go here, mm-hmm. do this, mm-hmm. go here, do this. And mm-hmm. they were never like sh- all that shocked when things would happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting that this is really kind of, this trip was really just an example of the life that we're called to live. And as a ministry, we get to do this all the time. Yeah. And occasionally they get a roadblock or occasionally they get stoned or put in prison. So I'm glad none of that happened. Yeah. Or beaten. Yeah. So So that hasn't happened to any of us. No. And And, we're still going. And we're still going. So if we can do it, and I know our team, I mean, like we're, I just mean, if we can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. Yeah. We barely know what day it is. Yeah. So we got to do, once we did get there, about, so you'd say two months later, we get the message in April. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, there was some, a lot of communication. First, it was email, and then WhatsApp, and then it turned into Zoom. And so there was a lot of discussion, on, you know, during that time. But still, <laughs> in the back of your mind, you're like, once you get to Uganda and meeting the, the stranger, it still has that little question, what are we doing? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And does but it, God was there. And does it matter? Yeah. What are we matter. doing? And is it even going to matter that we're here? And I remember the first day. So back up the train. We're riding on the bus. We get a message from we're Uganda while yeah. we're in the middle of Sierra Leone doing our thing. It's this man from Uganda who has a ministry. He reaches out to us and he says, I see the trauma healing courses you're doing. And I want you to bring that here to our ministry. We reach back out and say, if you're real, send us a message on our email. He does. We email back and forth. We have Zoom meetings with him. Turns out he's legit. Totally Check his legit. website. Check and he really website. has a website. Mm-hmm. And so then we say, okay, we're coming. And we have no idea what we're getting into. We know we're going to serve him. But other than that, we know nothing. And I remember then the very first full day that we're there, mm-hmm. Dr. Laura, you're walking out of the church service mm-hmm. wondering, mm-hmm. well, I've got jet lag and I'm wondering why in the world am I here? I don't see any <laughs> of the indications of why we would come. It looks like a normal thing. It actually felt pretty peaceful. Here we are in a church service and then we're going to go back to our resort, which remember qualifies it because of a flushing toilet and hot water <laughs> and pancakes. Yeah, that too. Right. Pancakes. So, yeah, I guess that should be the, the level that it's elevated. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. If you have pancakes, it's a resort. Yeah, and that's like the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> yes. They have that pancake belt. Yes. That's a resort. Yes. <laughs> so, focus. So, we are wondering why are we here and what are we doing? But, small disclaimer, we actually did have a schedule. Like, oh, yeah. We had yeah. asked him to make a schedule of, pl- of potential places that we would do ministry stuff. So but we it, did have that. It was It's a small disclaimer, but it was a large schedule that we were literally going to impact like, hundreds and thousands with was, the brain it was a pretty boot camp schedule, material. Yes. yes. But, I mean, we do that anywhere that we go. Yes. But he had it on schedule for us going uh, basically nonstop, sometimes 18 hours a day. Yeah. 
And that is true. But that was at our request. We wanted to stay busy. But yes. that's our pace. I, I challenged this young man to be able to keep up with us. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, bet. Yeah, exactly. But he it. had no idea that every two hours we'd have to have a snack and use a restroom. <laughs> So he got a, we got a tour of Uganda and did brain boot camps. He got a tour of all of the bathrooms in the country. And Maybe got we to should try make a, U.S. candy. Maybe we should make a calendar as bathrooms of Uganda. You know, uh-huh. That's we've exactly been to so right. Many. That <laughs> would have been a good idea. Yeah. That's hilarious. And so the, some of the things that we got to do there, I mean, really, we got to go into devastated areas that are truly devastated. And we got to go into schools uh, and teach trauma healing and brain stuff Mm -hmm. to kids Mm -hmm. and youth and young adults. We got to minister at a prison Mm -hmm. and with businessmen and churches. And we were on television with over a million viewers. Yeah. Talking about the brain. TV, your favorite topic. Yes. To one million people. Yes. I mean, it was just a jam-packed, it was a jam-packed, you know, time. But I know that I mean, for us at No Boundaries, we kind of just have this, like, we know whenever we're sent on assignment somewhere. And a lot of times we'll kind of know or get a feeling for the assignment. And I think for this trip, we just didn't always know what that was. And so it was cool pressing into the Lord and being able to see where he was in things like as you're doing it, which did feel very much like modern day biblical disciples. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to focus on for today's topic, I mean, we could probably do a podcast for each individual day if we wanted to, mm-hmm. but that's why we have the documentary vlog yes. <laughs> so that for those who want Go to watch see it every day, it's so good. And we're not even just saying that. So what we want to focus on today is that we had the opportunity to go into a refugee camp. So it was an awesome time. Sandy, tell us a little bit about the refugee camp. Well, it was in the southern part of of Uganda, and it was probably about an hour and a half from where we were staying, and it's the second largest refugee camp in the world. Wow. And and we really didn't know what that meant. And, like, I guess in my head, and probably maybe Lori's, um, we just kind of had the vision, an idea that it would just be the, the refugee camps like you see in the news with, like, the white tents all racked up there. And That's what I pictured. You know, and, and that sort of thing. And they all be kind of be, like, cloistered together, that sort of thing. And we get in there, and it's it's so big. There's, like, 180,000 families, not people, families that uh, are currently live there. But it's so big that they've, they've divided them off into villages. When I say they, it's, like, the United Nations um, has divided them up into different villages in different areas. And I mean, it's just, it covers a massive amount of area. And so we get there and as we, uh, we go to an area, we, we had connected with a church with an area in this village, in this one village that has refugees from three different, uh, from three different nations from the, the DR Congo, Rwanda and Burundi. And so, I mean, that's, that was just amazing to hear and see all the different nationalities that were there and um, and how they all came together in this church and they all came from different churches and they all come there and you could feel it in your spirit, man. They were yeah. on fire. They were on fire for Jesus. And it was like, man, there's like uh, revival breaking out in these refugee camps mm-hmm. and just seeing how they talked about Jesus and stuff. It was amazing. And like these, to just to like put it into perspective, I mean, we're 
going into the refugee camp and we see like a line Miles. massively Miles. long line. like people standing there it's not cars it's people standing try like in line to get food rations yeah. and i mean just the level of need mm-hmm. that's in that community and the level of things that they really just don't have access to or that they've to stand i can't even fathom in my mind waiting in a line that long for basic human necessities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for water and food and clothing the things that I just wake up and have, you know what I mean? And so when I see this line of people, I'm like, we're in an area of the world that people have deep, deep, real physical need. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of people who have this deep, deep physical need and aren't, maybe aren't getting the level of care that we're used to, or that they even need to survive or to really thrive then you pull up to this little tiny church, but when they worship, oh, man. it is like heaven is has seriously invaded earth. Yeah, I mean it would like, and that's the people that it's coming from. You know, like, and these are people that have escaped from terrible circumstances. Uh-huh. They've escaped from conflicts and wars, or uh, or extreme extreme poverty where they just have no other recourses, no other resources available to them. I mean, they've come out of like crazy hard situations and now they're living like worse than right uh, worse than they've probably ever before now they're in the standing in those lines every uh, what is it week or so trying mm-hmm. to get food that barely is enough for their families not just individuals and it's it? not just one conflict and so then you've got people from multi multiple conflicts from multiple nations around the, gathered around together centered around Jesus, Jesus. and what wow. I love to say even in the journey of restoration, that if you if I have five issues and Sandy has five issues and together we have 25 issues because they're going to bounce off of each other. But then for people that have been there in varying degrees of time or different lengths of time with multiple traumas and conflict coming from different cultures to gather together in one room for a brain boot camp. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The nations, I mean, when he says go to the ends of the earth or to all all the nations nations came you know we Mm -hmm. went to one refugee camp and just hit four nations Mm -hmm. well and then five with us so yeah uganda and america crazy just the language barriers and the different different cultures and life experiences and people that have been through hell on earth yes mm -hmm. that are rallying around the one name and the one thing that can actually save them or heal them or it can actually make a difference in their lives. Yes. Like, eternally speaking. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And, and multiple churches represented, not just one church. Yeah. So, but out of that hundred and what, 180,000 families, uh-huh. there were probably how many just individual people in there? I think there were around 100 people. Maybe 100. Uh-huh. And it was powerful. Yeah, it was way And there were key leaders of different groups. So we were training the leaders. It was like handpicked. Uh-huh. Everyone in there was handpicked. And I know that whenever part of the way, whenever we were sitting there and someone raised their hand and he was like, I was going to a completely different meeting. And yet I ended up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I have a meeting at this time at a different place, but somehow I'm not there. I'm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so the visions and the things that were happening and from that little church with a mm-hmm. hundred refugees, 
I mean, that's like upper room type yeah. uh-huh. stuff that like in the presence of the Lord was so thick. I mean, I think for the first time I didn't, I mean, I didn't say a word. I didn't say an entire mm-hmm. word the that whole time we're there. That in itself is just... And anytime I wanted to speak about something, I would just get teary-eyed. <laughs> and I was like, no, you just just sit in this. Like, mm-hmm. don't leave this. And it was incredible. And then, you know, they started off by doing worship. Like, they led the worship, and they, and yeah. they didn't have... They had zero instruments except for a very large drum, an African drum. One drum. One, One drum, drum, and their voices. And it was amazing. It was powerful. And they say that they um, they were telling me the story about that big drum, that what they do is they take whatever, because they use those little wooden They use sticks, sticks, like large sticks. And they like beat on the drum, and that signals to the community that it's time for church or that something at the church is happening and to come. But to watch them, I mean, they didn't just worship like they worship with their whole everything Mm -hmm. their whole body their whole spirit their whole mind like you can just see it on them it was beautiful and a tangible presence of the lord so they were signaling that we expect the presence of god and you could feel the manifest presence of god in that place they were hungry for him yeah and he showed up Mm -hmm. yeah so let's get into this so we were doing an entire brain boot camp there, which is the trauma healing course that we offer. We offer a journey restoration CPR style e-course. And so online we have 16 hours of that, but at our brain boot camps, what we do is we just do like a fly overview of the journey of restoration CPR e-course. So it's normally in the States, it looks like one day or three day conferences, just depending on what people are asking for. And we've done brain boot camps all over the world and in um, Uganda, we it would just kind of change. So sometimes you'd have four hours to do it. Sometimes you'd have a whole day. It just depends. And so for this one, we were able to spend like basically a full day mm-hmm. with at this refugee camp doing a brain boot camp. And it's fun because it always looks different, but God has always shown up. So who wants to tell a story? We're like two hours into it, mm-hmm. and we start asking for testimonies, and mm-hmm. what happens? Well, this was really pretty risky. So it's kind of like follow the leader, and we're just following the Holy Spirit about what to do. And so there's a language barrier. We're going to have them draw their trauma. We're talking about sin and trauma and brain damage. We're also then asking them to connect with Jesus and listen to what Jesus is saying. And so we're into it. We've finished worship. We've established connection. We're starting in the middle of the curriculum. And now it's time. I felt like the Holy Spirit have them close their eyes and ask me, ask Jesus what he wants to say to them and how much he loves him. And so it was a, it was the most amazing thing. Now this can go south fast because yeah, if I have can. everybody close their eyes and then they open their eyes about three minutes later and you ask, so who wants to share? And you got nothing. Nobody's sharing anything. So it's risky, but we did it and we had them close their eyes. Jesus, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Will you show me how much you love me? Three minutes into it, they open their eyes and it's boom, 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 boom. It's like Mm -hmm. popcorn. So the first person said, I see that the Holy Spirit is being poured out like in the book of Acts. And another said, there's going to be a great revival. And then someone else said, fire, fire. Yeah, I forgot about the fire. I mean, we should have known at that point, at the end of this thing with worship, nobody could hardly stand. And musical instruments. Yes, they see musical instruments. They see harvest. They see revival. They see the word of God. 
It is crazy. And then there's this woman who stands up to give her her testimony about what she sees. And she said, I was reminded of something that I saw in February. A dream. A dream. And I'm like, February of this year? Yes. And this, of course, is all through an interpreter. Well, in February of this year, she said that she went to sleep and she had a dream. And the dream was of a white woman who came over and uh, prayed for her brain and her brain was transformed. And she said she woke up from the dream and she was so excited and she told her husband and it got word got out into the community and she was really persecuted. Her husband said, you're an illiterate refugee. When do the whites ever come? And my paraphrase, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I lit up like a Christmas tree. And my language for her was, or my bright, bright idea was, well, then let's be sure and get a picture so that you can show your husband that you were right on the money, honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other community members, they liked that. So several of them, God, they wanted that picture. Yeah, so it was photo so opportunity. The community, the the community, community wanted the yeah, pictures. It. Yeah. Yeah. So... That backtracks our story, and then you guys can take it. So here we are in February. We're going to Sierra Leone in March and April. We've never even heard about or thought about Uganda and the fact that we would go. And this woman in February is having a dream about us coming. We're in West Africa. Somebody in East Africa says, come. We're over there two months later, and we happen to be in the second largest refugee camp in the entire world, where the woman, the illiterate refugee, her description of herself, is actually in a church with a hundred believers that are on fire. And here I am, the white woman that she dreamed about to come and to pray over her brain. Like that's one percent. We were with like what one percent of the entire refugee population. Yeah, and less than one percent. And there's actually. multiple, multiple villages, and I don't know how many different churches. Like when I say there's different villages, I mean it's. It's not like they're all packed on top of each other. You go down these, you have to drive a long ways down the roads. It's a massive area. So the fact that God put us in in that refugee camp with the lady that had the dream about us, I mean, that's a that's a miracle. There's no way that could have been planned out. No way. And she had the dream in February, and we're just barely even like we're we're realizing there is a country called Uganda in March. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So what we want to do is we want to go ahead and play the clip so that you guys can actually hear it for yourselves. So go ahead and listen to this. My name is Omohoza Angelique. In February, I had a revelation. I'm dream- I dreamt being in a very big crusade or seminar with the Whites. It was a white woman preaching by then in a dream. And she asked one of us who could be having a concern or any revelation. In a dream, I stood up so she could pray for me because I always have a brain issue. She prayed for me and told me, Go, you're healed. The Lord has healed your brain. After getting out of that dream, I explained everything to my husband. He rebuked me that I could be mad, probably. He further 
rebuked me that you, for you, you, you are not educated. You are so illiterate. Where could you meet whites? But today I'm here to give a testimony as I proclaim that my dream has come to pass. Because the dreams, the revelation I had way back in February, it has come to pass by God's grace. I'm here to give a testimony and thanking the Lord for the uh, the occurrence of this testimony. And I thank the Lord for this great mission and thank the Lord for the servants that have come here so the Lord can go through them to enact my revelation or my dream. Wow! Isn't that insane? That is crazy. Like, again, like, how did we even, how did this even come to pass? I mean, let's just think about all of the intricacies of God that we've already said a little bit of, but what are even the implications of God fulfilling this dream? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how many things had to align correctly for this to even come to pass? There are so many things. Like, and what the biggest thing the takeaway that I get from this is like, it doesn't just impact her. Yes, she's healed. And yes, she has the dream. And yes, her dream comes to pass. But the community that saw it all happen, their faith is automatically increased as well. Mm -hmm. They've just witnessed a miracle. Mm -hmm. We've just witnessed a miracle. Yeah. The people who went. And so it just, it's always encouraging. And when God is blessing someone he's normally blessing large you know what i mean like yeah. it's never just for you like it's always going to have a larger implication now you think a lot of times whether um it's god blessing you it's just like in your little world it's only going to affect you and it's um, not going to have any other repercussions but really it's not true it's like it, it can happen to you and through you but it's going to affect your family it could potentially affect your community and your city, that sort of stuff. I mean, with this lady, with her testimony, it's affected her whole community. It affected the church that we were in. It affected us. I mean, it was huge. And we all had to say yes. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't just one person's obedience. It was several. So we had to say yes to doing videos on Facebook and yeah. keeping people updated. Andy... Pastor Andy had to say yes to reaching out to us. Even. So it started way before February. It started way before. Mm -hmm. Because then, I mean, and this woman has to say yes to even saying her dream out loud, knowing that she might be ridiculed. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, you heard it. She was like, everyone thought I was mad. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I, you know, on text, I get it. But... She had to say yes to saying her dream. We had to say yes to posting videos. Andy has to say yes to reaching out. Then we have to say yes to going. And he has to say yes to organizing the schedule. And he'd never been to a refugee camp before, uh -uh. I believe, right? Well, he was certainly never done a brain boot camp, at least. And so he gets somehow connected to a pastor at this, you know, this village and this church out of a whole refugee camp. That's crazy. Out of the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what I love about all of this is that this becomes normal. 
that you're a part of a bigger story. And I heard it said that if you're bored and you're a Christian, then you're doing something wrong. So when's the last time you see the facet, you've seen the facet of, of Jesus, how he arranges things way beyond even our comprehension. And we're actually walking in it, which reminds me of when we read the book of Acts, we all want that level. And should that be just normative Christianity? And I think that's what, in the middle of all of it, we could say that we're all more fascinated and more in love with Jesus and really live in our best lives. And there's something inside of us that we know that there has to be more than the everyday, what about me, mm-hmm. self-absorbed lifestyle. And God is coming where he's wanted. Yep. In the yep. middle of all of that, yep. this was a group, this wasn't a group of scholars and biblical scholars mm-hmm. or a group of pastors. And I mean, there were some pastors mm-hmm. there. But for the most part, it was average everyday people that are just trying to live their lives, but they were hungry for God. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you look at it on the books, it looks like he's showing up to the least likely because he did. Mm -hmm. And even with language barriers, people are, you know, whenever you have them draw their trauma and where Jesus is, they're drawing pictures being set free, even with language barriers and even with what it looks like on paper, the least likely of people, when you're hungry for God, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That He comes where He's wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's just true. And I want to be where He's at. Yeah. And so what if we had said no? Yeah, that was my question. What then if what? we had said no? I don't know. So the lady has a dream, and then her husband makes fun of her, and then... The community makes fun of her? Yeah, and they're like, you're just a dreamer. I mean, you don't know what you're talking about. What's this Jesus thing? And, I mean, it goes down, it, spin, it spins into the negative, you know? Mm-hmm. So it does have definite repercussions. And these, and then we wouldn't have had that brain boot camp where people are set free from the hurt and the trauma in their lives. Encountering Jesus in that, they wouldn't have been set free. I mean, there's a lot of repercussions to this to the no. Yeah. Something would be left undone. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because God could have just brought us all up with the church, the church up with Jesus when Jesus ascended. But he said, no, he left us down here. And so if he's going to move on planet Earth, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But if he's going to move, then he's going to move through people. That's his modality. And if the enemy is going to move, then the enemy is going to move through people. So we really have a choice. We can either be a part of something that's so much bigger that we were born for, or would he pass us by, or would he get somebody else to, or would there be great implications because the church has said no, because we're self-absorbed. I think about that there are 3.2 billion people that have never even heard or don't have access to the gospel. And so the question is, will we be accountable for the things that we've said no to? Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. And the implications mm-hmm. for eternity are are horrific if we don't do what we're called to do as a church. And what we think is normal Christianity in America, could that just be really sin that we're called to go we're called to make a difference we're called he's already told us what to do and we and i heard this saying and the saying goes that it's not that we don't have enough resources it's that those who have haven't decided how much is enough wow and so what's our responsibility and what if we would have said no god's still god he can still work it all out but it's just disobedience and i really think that the bible talks about the scripture that if you love me then do what i said 
And, and he wants to. He wants us as co-creators with him. Exactly. Like he wants us he as wants, partnership. Right. The whole point of bringing his kingdom down or leaving the church here is so that we can build this thing with him and do it with him. Right. Like that's that's the partnership and that's in relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to be in such close relationship that we're saying yes, walking kind of blindly into this situation, not knowing what it's going to look like. But we really had to trust Jesus in that, you know. Which is relationship. But that's whenever that relationship has to be so strong and in constant communication because you really don't know. He's the only familiar place you have at that point. Mm -hmm. And you're just trusting then whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, however this goes down, I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because I know the voice of my father. And I've developed that relationship with him to know when he says, keep going and to know whenever he says, hey, stop, don't go there. And that's more important than even the air that we breathe. And so our consistency is him. And then for whatever reason, that fulfills a void inside of us that's so much bigger than the fear or the control or the pride or the self-absorption or the keeping up with the Joneses or the American dream, because that's what we're built for. And that's what we're created for. Yeah. Whenever you look at it from that's a literal design, Mm -hmm. I mean, you are designed to be in that close of relationship with your father, like, man, the knowing that anything outside of that won't fulfill you, but that sweet spot, whenever you're walking with him and talking with him and knowing him, there is nothing else, no counterfeit can, can even compare Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. And you just know it. And to think about we were an answer to prayer to a sweet mm-hmm. woman's dream that she had over 8,000 miles away that they're saying is illiterate. And then here we are, the white women who show up in the illiterate refugee camp. And that is Jesus. And, you know, and this, it's the, the kindness of Jesus, too. Like, we have to trust Jesus through all of this process, even all the yeses and all that, that sort of thing. But... um you don't always get to see the answer to your prayer, or you don't always get to see the full yes, like the implications of the yes mm-hmm. that you might have had. And so this was a just like a gift from God. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of implications to her story and, and us realizing that. But one small little thing is that we got to see a glimpse of like what goes back on that, what's behind it all. You know, what's the spiritual side of it look like that? She had the dream in February, and there's all this backtracking that you can see, like things we had to do, things he had to do, and what she was doing. All that to say, we don't always get to see the answers to our prayers, but in this time we do. And it was just a huge blessing to us, but it's also a blessing to the lady. It's also a blessing to the community. It's a blessing to that church. So, Can you imagine what it'll look like in heaven when we see all the behind the scenes of everything with the yeses that we've said? Yeah. But... For a moment, for a moment, you get we that did. glimpse. We did get to see it, mm-hmm. and it was so encouraging. And how could we not? How, how could we, could not, we not, not say yes? And how could we not do this? Which leads us to kind of wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. Are there any final thoughts from either of you? No, I'd say go until you hear no. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely an adventure, and it's exciting. All wrapped up in the trusting Him, and sometimes that looks hard, but sometimes like this. You get these glimpses that are just stunning and amazing. Yeah. So then, so then here's what I'm hearing. That Jesus himself commanded and commissioned us to go. 
And then he says, out of an act of love, not out of an act of religious duty, but out of an act of love, of loving him that will go. Because how can we not go after we've received such a beautiful gift? How could we not go and share that with the world? And that's what we're called to do. And that's really, I mean, that's, that's the commissioning that we're to go into all the world and to cast out demons and to lay our hands on the sick and to watch them recover. That that's what we've been chosen and commissioned to go and to do and that it really does matter. And it is worth it. At the end of the day, it's worth it. Because the implications of us not going is people who will literally potentially spend an eternity separated from God. And that our no could have eternal implications, but just like on the other side of that, then our yes will have eternal implications. And that the people that we do get to minister as we go out into all the world, doing the things that he commanded us to do, that people might know him and love him and that it's our assignment. And he didn't just say to the elite to go. And he didn't just say to the least to go. He said, if you're a follower of me, that this is the command that you are to go, whether that's internationally or whether that's to another state or whether someone invites you on a mission trip to the next city over, or just to go downtown and see what's happening in your very city or to reach out to your neighbor or your coworker. All of those are an example of going and all of them is what we're called to do. So I just want to encourage you, if this is stirring in your heart and you're in that place of like, I'm willing and I'm ready to just press in, but then to not, as Dr. Lori says, have the meeting to have the meeting to have the meeting to think about having another meeting on if and where, but to actually walk this out, to put some steps to your faith and to be doers of the word in that. If you're asking for the sign, if you're supposed to go, this is it. (laughs) Go, 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 go in Jesus name. All right. Thank you guys. It's been fun. It has been fun. Thank you.